It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Now when you use promo code DNVR at sign up, you can make a $5 NBA pregame money line bet. And when that team wins for you, you're going to get $150 in free bets from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. I am your host, Patrick Lyons, and joining me today for the second time this offseason, Mr. Kenneth Weber of Purple Row. What's going on today, Kenneth? Not too much, man. I'm doing good. You and I, we're, uh, we're playing hurt. We're reporting hurt. We're not reporting injured, but we're reporting hurt right now. Yeah, I think although uh, we might be banged up, our physicals are going to come back pretty good um, because we need to talk about what's going on in San Francisco and in New York with Carlos Correa. We'll also get to some Rockies business. You know, who's the next cult hero after, after Connor Joe's absence? Who's the next guy that fans really, you know, attach? I don't know if that's anything that could possibly be predicted, but... We'll try to get into that. What else are some of their needs? What could they possibly do this offseason and going forward? But uh, we got to start with the story around baseball. Carlos Correa, his 13-year, $350 million deal, voided, nullified, nixed, whatever you want to call it. Uh, something in the physical just did not look right. They were supposed to have the press conference on Tuesday. They canceled that, and then it was a lot of waiting around. And I don't know about what your schedule is like, Kenneth, but I woke up this morning to text from all my family members that are Mets fans going, the Mets have Carlos Correa. And, uh, and yeah, that was confusing. Yeah, it was wild, man. Cause I, I didn't really hear too much, um, of the fire burning last night. I know you alluded to, you, you'd heard about the, the press conference being delayed and, and, you know, something was going on over there, but it was totally this morning where it hit me off guard. Um, I don't have the Mets fans texting me, so I don't have quite the personal attachment to it, but it was, it was a wild story. I mean, this is really unprecedented on the free agent side. I think that's what I've been digging my teeth into the most is this feels like one of those draft stories where it's like the Kumar pick and yeah, the, all this hype and, you know, everything surrounding this guy coming into the organization, but, Oh wait, no, we see something we don't like. So we're going to use this to kind of help us financially. And for it to happen on a megastar deal is, is kind of uncharted territory. And it's also kind of coincidental that the whole Kumar rocker business that went down in 2021 involved the Mets. And now the Mets are kind of on the opposite side of that. You know, R.A. Dickey was another one of those players uh, when he was drafted in the first round by the Texas Rangers. Uh, they ultimately realized uh, from a cover of a Baseball America photograph, it was the entire Team USA. It was him, Chris Benson, a few other studs. And uh, they're all standing there and uh, looking normal, relaxed their arms, except R.A. Dickey's elbow was bent when it was, should have been relaxed. Mm -hmm. And they realized, hold on, wait a minute. Has he been pitching without uh, an ACL? 
uh, or UCL uh, in his arm this entire time. And he went from having a million dollar signing bonus to a hundred thousand. Um, yeah. The, the, the last time anything like this has happened on the, on a larger scale, I mean, I, you never know what's going on, what's going on with like minor league signings and things of that nature. But uh, back in 2013, it was, it was kind of a big deal at the time uh, for, for a smaller player, but uh, Grant Balfour, I don't know if you remember this, uh, mm-hmm. he had agreed the to Australia. Uh, that's right. He agreed to a two-year, $15 million pact with uh, the Orioles. So I was coming off uh, an all-star season with the A's, was a closer, uh, and they declined, citing uh, something they had seen in his MRI. He signed with the Rays, and the, the the physicians with Tampa were like, yeah, we didn't really see any issue. So he, he lost $3 million in the deal, um, you know, and finished his career up there. But you're right, this of, of this magnitude and of this kind of contract, for it to happen this way is strange might even be stranger that a team just jumped in immediately into the fray and was like, yeah, we've got no problem. Just get forking over this kind of money rather than there being a week of everyone looking around like what's going on. And Hey, maybe we can kind of sit back and wait and then jump in at the last minute with an offer. And Hey, maybe, maybe 280 million gets the deal done. No, not the Mets. They're like 315 million for 12 years. Let's do it. You're going to play third base. It's pretty on brand for the way that the Mets were pursuing Correa at the last minute. I mean, uh, there was the story about Francisco Lindor saying, hey, this is a dude. Let's let's try to jump in on this if we can. The story comes out that he's agreed to terms with the Giants and Cohen's like, yeah, we were just late to the party. That's all there is. But all of a sudden, somebody left the door open and he just busted right through like the Kool-Aid man. So uh, I'm not surprised that it's the Mets doing this. I'll say it that way. Uh, because right now, when you look at the Mets' expenses relative to everybody else in baseball, they are just blowing by the luxury tax, the you know artificial cap, all the the handshake agreements that the owners have of hey, let's keep this you know within a realm of money. Mets are not doing any of that. They're just saying screw it and spending all the money in the world. So it's fun to watch. It's very fun to watch. This is like an episode of TMZ for you know a major sports league. It's a lot more fun to watch that it's not the NL West, that, that these kind of signings, the Dodgers aren't doing that. It's, it's yeah. the Mets. It's in the NL East. It has nothing to do with us. Uh, that's wonderful. So, yeah, to, to go back a little bit on the timeline, yeah, Tuesday it started getting reported that there was a medical concern with the physical. Susan Slusser of the San Francisco Chronicle legend uh, said that the club was, quote, awaiting test results. She also added it's not a back problem. Um, which was strange. And then she immediately said, yeah, I'm just going to kind of break this down body part by body part and kind of let you know uh, what (laughs) is the issue and what is it. So we only got the back update that that wasn't that. Ronald Blum of the Associated Press said that it was just a medical issue that was flagged, quote unquote. Uh, And, you know, Scott Boris uh, ended up saying that, quote, you're talking about a player who has played eight major league seasons. There are things in his medical records that have happened decades ago. These are all speculative mm-hmm. dynamics. So he's referring to back issues that led to uh, stints on the IL in 2018 and 2019 for Carlos Correa. He suffered a, a season-ending injury when he was in the minors in 2014, where he was sliding into a bag, uh, and his cleat got caught in the bases when he was 19 years old. So, you know, I guess those things show up in an MRI. Those things show up when you're doing a physical but you, you've played through that or you've shown that that's like kind of a non-issue. And I think that's, that's what Boris is getting to. And that's what probably makes the Mets feel fine is that, you know, guys are able to do some amazing things. I mean, look at Bryce Harper. Like if you would, if, if he would have been, let's say waived, like again, in, in a weird scenario where he was waived by the Phillies after getting hurt, like, yeah, this guy's, he's banged up. He can't throw. We don't even know if he can hit, 
you you probably have some teams that would go, well, we're definitely not going to touch this guy because of the injury. And then others realizing like, no, if anyone's going to get through this and find a way to contribute, it's Bryce Harper. And then you see what he does when he comes back all throughout the postseason, uh, quite possibly the best player for the Phillies there in October and early November. And you say, yeah, I guess what the medicals show really isn't as much as uh, really isn't as important uh, as, it, as it might seem to be in this case. Yeah, I mean, well, first you have to give Correa a bit of a benefit of the doubt. He played 148 yeah. games in 2021, 136 in 2022, 2020, you know, with the truncated season, there's still 58 games. And he's shown he's fine. And the reports were also suggesting that this was kind of a pre-draft concern with him. And as you mentioned, you have a decade under your belt of this not necessarily being an issue. Plus, you have recent health going into it. So it it really quacks like a duck of wanting to kind of get out of this deal um, on the Giants side. So it's, it's hard not to get a little suspicious that the Giants are saying, oh, you know, we're going to find a reason to to maybe not make such this large commitment because of cold feet. Um, and, you, you know, you mentioned Harper. Well, if Bryce Harper blows out his UCL a year after winning an MVP award, there's still this precedent for, oh, this is a great player we give him the benefit of the doubt on this track record that he'll overcome it. I think a good example of reason to be cautious is Cody Bellinger this offseason. Cody Bellinger was just an absolute monster for the Dodgers. Rookie of the year, ended up going with the MVP. He looked like an unstoppable force. And then he had that shoulder issue, which you have seen with a lot of power hitters. Rockies have had two of them, and Chris Bryant and Brendan Rodgers, where once that shoulder kind of goes as a hitter, it can really affect your performance for multiple seasons. And Bellinger just hasn't been the same guy over the past couple of years. And that's why he's in flyer territory. He just hasn't earned that benefit of the doubt with his performance over the past few years. So, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all. I don't, I never saw Carlos Correa as being a monster superstar for the entire 11, 12, 13 years that he was signing up for. And I don't think anybody has with these giant shortstop deals, but for the first half of this contract, I'm not going to be surprised at all to see the same old Carlos Correa. And that's what the giants initially agreed to sign up for. Yeah, that that's that's very curious. Like, is that what was going on with it with the Giants' buyer's remorse a little bit? I mean, they had they had money to spend, but again, mm -hmm. they're trying to compete with the Padres, who you know don't really make sense, or or the Mets even, who don't seem to make sense. Uh, Stephen, like you said, Stephen A. Cohen, Uncle Steve, saying, "Hey, we got to the party a little bit late." So I wonder if the Giants that up their offer by like fifty million. They heard, "Oh, the Mets are sniffing around." Boom. They get, you know, some kind of remorse. Uh, you know, I don't know what it is. You know, Boris also, you know, did say that uh, it sounded almost like he gave the Giants an ultimatum. Like, like we, we got to get something done here. Uh, we're we're going to give you a timeline. If you don't, if we don't sign this deal or, or have this press conference, then I, I'm going to consider my guy to be a free agent and I'm going to go elsewhere. Uh, I don't know the, the inner workings of that, how that, how that goes down. Uh, but he had the Mets right there for him and so was was able to do that really quickly. If you're talking about more of a, of a mid-tier kind of free agent, you might not have that as quick of a turnaround. Uh, and you you might not have a situation in which, again, you have a team like the Mets who uh, are doing some unprecedented things. As, as you pointed out right now, uh, their payroll is about $367 million. That's what they're going to pay to players this year. According to the collective bargaining tax, uh, it's 384 because they've – you know, because some guys are maybe getting paid a little bit less this year, but the average uh, annual salary is a little bit more. Uh, I know earlier in the offseason, the Padres, I believe, became the first team to ever have six players 
uh, making an average annual salary of $20 million. And now uh, the, the Mets had five, then they added Brandon Nimmo, and now they've got Carlos Correa. So now they've got seven players. Uh, so with that collective bargaining tax, they are at 387 or 384 approximately. That also includes, or rather doesn't include, an additional $100 million on tax that they need to pay just on that. So they will be paying something close to $495 million on their roster. Again, 380, 390 will be the, the actual players, but then the tax is going to be adding another 100 million. And yet though, yet Kenneth, it doesn't guarantee them anything. It does not guarantee them a world series yet. That's the beauty of baseball. No, not at all. And I mean, they're, they're basically double the next highest in the Yankees when you incorporate the, <laughs> the, the luxury tax penalty on top of it. So I, I mean, personally, this is good for baseball. If you have the money to spend it, then spend it and do it for the reasons of trying to become the most competitive team possible. And New York is going to be the biggest baseball market. It's going to have all the money. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really breaking through, um, the, what baseball could be financially in the economy for it. And it's going to be a good thing for the players union at the end of the day, but this is also such uncharted waters that it's just outrageous to see. It's crazy to see just this one stray owner breaking off from the mold and everybody else now feels like they're going to have to scramble to catch up. And it's already been murmured for years, the the Steve Cohen tax and, you know, naming what whatever they're going to do to try to stop an owner from just going uh, gunslinger on the entire ecosystem. Uh, it, that's going to come quick. I have a feeling that is going to come very quick in the next owner meetings that they're going to put something in place to try to stop a Steve Cohen. So it's wild. It's super fun to see. It's very entertaining. I think the one thing that I'm looking forward to the most is whatever clever quip Scott Boris is going to come out with over this whole situation, because there's always some weird Scott Boris idiom that that comes out when he's regarding his players. And so I'm really looking forward to whatever memorable, memorable quote he's going to produce this time. I keep circling around something with David and Goliath. It's now Carlos and Goliath or something. I don't know, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Well, Uncle Steve is Goliath. So maybe it's uh, David and Uncle Steve now, uh, something like yeah. that. <laughs> we, we, we've got a comment too here uh, on YouTube. Uh, how much are they paying uh, to give away gold glove players? Uh, I don't think there's $50 million going to any other team for the, for the Mets. So uh, I think they might still be paying... Robinson Cano uh, a little bit of money uh, for for this next season, but ultimately much of that is uh, players that are that are actually on the payroll and that you can actually see down uh, on the field at City Field. And you can see all of us down the corner of Colfax, New York, at the DNVR bar, where you know uh, if you are a diehard, if you sign up for an annual membership to the DNVR.com, you're getting not only just fifteen percent off. Uh, a whopping 15% off, I should say, uh, all your food and drinks down at the DNVR bar. You're, but you're getting 20% off all the shirts and gear and merchandise uh, at dnvrlocker.com. You're getting 20% off all of the tailgates and party buses that we have going on. We still got one left, uh, more than likely, for the uh, the Broncos. Uh, I don't know how much celebrating will be going on there for that final game against the Chiefs, but uh, it could be going down. Uh, definitely Avs, Nuggets are doing that. Uh, we'll have to see if we can get something for the Rockies, too. Uh, that's always a lot of fun, but you get 20% off that, 20% off gear at dnvrlocker.com, and 15% off your tab. Not to mention, 
access to the diehards only discord where we're having all kinds of great conversations and not only just talking about the Rockies, Broncos, Nuggets, Avs, Rapids, uh, but just soccer in general, lacrosse. There's a pro wrestling forum. There's stuff for food, all kinds of really great things that you can get uh, when you are a diehard at the DNVR.com. Breck Brew, Christmas Ale, now's the time. The chill of winter, and boy, this morning you probably felt that chill. It's not so bad now. The sun's out. The sun's out here Wednesday afternoon, so it feels a little bit better, but there's a, there's a winter chill in the air. Uh, and so when you need that extra flavor, uh, need a little extra strength. The Christmas Ale by Breck Brew is the way to go with that. Uh, they've got the nice list sweepstakes going on. They already gave away tickets all throughout the Stanley Cup run throughout May and June for the for the Avs. Uh, and they're doing something again now. Huge holiday giveaway. Make sure you check them out and uh, check the link in our show description. And got to remind you too, Breck is made with 100% renewable energy. So again, local company doing things the right way. And if you want to do things the right way financially, you got to make sure you're checking out the DNVR Bets show each and every day, first and foremost, because they're going to hook you up with some really good bets to make when you're over on DraftKings Sportsbook, where right now, as I mentioned, all you got to do is place a $5 pregame money line bet on any NBA game, and when that team wins for you, boom, $150 in free bets. You can also use some stepped-up same-game parlays where you tack a couple bets on from the same game, two, three, four. You can go even crazier than that. If you want to be like the guy from the World Cup, he didn't even have to watch the final. He was able to cash out because he stacked all the right things that he knew was going to play out. And you could do the exact same thing and make money. Even if your team doesn't win, you get those payouts uh, and they come to you uh, all season long, especially if you're doing some end-of-the-season predictions. So uh, it's a great way to, to step up the action when you're watching a game, no matter what it is. But again, download the app now and use promo code DNVR. Place a $5 pregame money line bet on the NBA. And when that team wins, you know you're getting $150 in free bets. Thanks to DNVR as your code. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Uh, yeah, the Mets also might not be done. I do. We'll, we'll talk to the, about the Rockies. But uh, have you heard, Kenneth, that they want to get Liam Hendricks now? <laughs> like where does it end because if because if you're sliding carlos cray over to third base eduardo escobar is somewhat expendable you might you might probably put him in one of the corners right great bench piece there same thing with brett Beatty, young prospect you can put him in one of the corners they also have mark vientos so you've got three third basemen now where you no longer need any of them i'm sure the white Sox would be happy to have any of those guys liam hendricks too at this point it just wouldn't surprise me yeah, and it's not like the Mets bullpen is bad. I mean, you still have Edwin Diaz in peak form there. So now you're talking about trying to acquire an elite closer to be a setup guy to a better elite closer. Like that's this is some first world problems that the Mets are going on. Um, real quick, uh, regarding the Mets and and the payroll, just to to hit on the thought before the ad break. You said Robbins and Cano, they're still having, you know, a little bit of, of Cano left on the books. That little bit is $20 million. The amount that they're retaining for Robbins and Cano would make him the highest paid player on the Rockies, I believe, this upcoming season. At least the second highest. And one more thought on that, too. They have two retained salaries. Everybody knows Bobby Bonilla Day. Bobby Bonilla Day, I think it's just going to go until like the end of time. But there's one other retained salary or deferred salary on the Mets books, and it's a former Rocky. Would you have any guess as to who it could be? Michael Kadire? Brett Saberhagen. 
Oh, Brett okay. Saberhagen has two hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars deferred for the twenty twenty three season. So it's insane, just the 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 payroll, the spreadsheet that is the New York Mets. Um, but you know, for the product they can put onto the field. I, I could totally see them swinging a deal for for Liam Hendricks. Uh, I could see them going. Chicago in general could be a good matchup. I don't think I would be very surprised if they wanted to move Escobar to second and move Jeff McNeil to the outfield. McNeil has that. He's the the most Ben Zobrist in the league right now. Um, so I think that that allows them a lot of flexibility on whatever they would want to do. Um, I think it's very easy to understand that they should start transitioning to, okay, if we're going to spend a trillion dollars for our payroll, what's the point of having prospects? We just need to go ultra Dave Dombrowski now at this point. So Beatty, Vignettos, anything that's not an immediate help to the future, you move it for something that will help immediately. And I totally see that, you know, that's the route that they could go. And if you're talking bullpen, there's plenty of bullpen pieces, even if Hendricks doesn't quite pan out. So it's going to be an impressive roster, uh, but as you mentioned, it doesn't guarantee anything. They can stack it up with the biggest all-star team they can think of. Doesn't mean they're going to get out of the first round. Doesn't mean they're going to, you know, make it to the World Series or win it, much less. So that's going to be cool to watch. It's it's hard to predict what they'll they'll do because any rational team would be like, all right, well, you maybe want to shed a little bit of money, so you know you could work something out where you, you offload James McCann's contract right cuz he still has a couple years left they got they got four catchers right now you're, you're probably not trading Francisco Alvarez he'd probably be the one guy that that you're not going to touch but you could go ahead and package you know uh, maybe a guy making too much money like a McCann flip him to Chicago and then and then go ahead and, and bring Hendricks back and and get creative i i'd like your your idea that Escobar going to second base cuz McNeil has played in the outfield a little bit i mean they don't call him the flying squirrel for nothing uh, so I think that that does make a lot of sense. And, and yeah, there's just no way of predicting that bullpen is already so solid. Uh, that was kind of, that was one of the things I, I wanted to get to some of the, some of the mid tier signings that have already gone down so far this off season, Adam Ottavino uh, went back to the Mets two years, $14.5 million. Thought he would have been a really great fit for the Rockies. You understand if he's getting that kind of money from the Mets, he, he needs to stay there uh, versus let's say a three-year deal for you know, that, that same average annual salary, three years at 21 million. He also, I think he has an opt-out after the first year. So he mm-hmm. could still go and, and get that kind of a deal uh, after 2023 uh, from the Rockies. If, if he so wanted to finish his career here and two other uh, former Rockies pitchers uh, signed short-term deals, Jordan Lyles, two years, 17 million with Kansas city. It's amazing. He's still uh, making the kind of money that he's making out there. And then Michael Givens has a one-year $3 million deal to go back to the Orioles. That could potentially be two years uh, at $9 million. And then Tyler Chatwood signed a minor league deal to the Pirates. Never before in Rockies history has it felt like there's been so many former Rockies just bouncing around the league. And like not just on minor league deals, but like you know somewhat significant. It seems like this is, I don't want to say it's the heyday because they're doing it for other teams. And they're not doing it with the Rockies, but – a lot of those guys moving around this offseason. Yeah, it's a it's a very condensed period of time where you're seeing, oh, old friend here, old friend there. Oh, there goes that guy over there. So, um, I mean, it goes to show that the talent that they're bringing into the league is not bad. Are they getting the most out of it? That's the thing that you can question. Um, you know, Jordan Lyles is, is hilarious to me because... There was a lot of expectations placed on Jordan Lyles early in his career, and the Rockies were a big part of that too. He was always kind of a, a blue chip 
pitching prospect that was going to be future top of the rotation guy. And it just never worked and never worked and never worked. And he's, he's stabilized. He's stuck with it and he's become, you know, a decent patchwork back of the rotation type of guy, but he's been paid like a consistent number three, the entire time. And so with the deal, let's see, it was two years, 17 at this point, it's going to take him to about six or 51 million earned over his career. And he has like a 510 ERA and a negative 1.4 war for his career. So, you know, I, I hope I'm as fortunate in my future endeavors as Jordan Lyles has been. But, uh, you know, the last thought on it, too, Michael Givens, kind of fair to say Baltimore won that trade at this point because they have both Givens and Vavra and Nevin at this point. So, you know, they, they kind of just bundled everything um, that was that trade a couple of years back. Yeah, I, I'd have to re-examine that a little bit um, because there also was Givens getting traded to the Reds. So there, there's that uh, those kind of uh, implications in that. But uh, but yeah, Nevin and Vavra, they're getting something. I was I was high on Taron Vavra. We're we're still yet to wait to see what's uh, what's going to happen with them. The, the Orioles we mentioned it a couple of days ago uh, on the pod, or or maybe it was a pre-tape that's going to show up on Thursday. But the Orioles were kind of low key the uh, the East Coast version of the Rockies because they had, they had all of those guys and Chris Owens. Yes. Chris Owens was even uh, on that team. And yes, it will be tomorrow's podcast. Now that I remember uh, where we'll get into that. So uh, those guys off the board, Brandon Drury, more mid-tier guys, two years, 17 million with the, uh, the angels, Matt Carpenter, two years, $12 million with his deal with San Diego. I don't know if you've been following his journey at all and, and all the, mm-hmm. all the players that have helped him out, like Joey Votto and even uh, former Rocky Matt Holiday. I mean, he, he's probably doing it. If you look at what Matt Holiday did and how he contributed to Matt Carpenter, you know, coming back from the dead at age 37. And you think about Cody Bellinger, how he also went to Oklahoma state uh, this off season and has been working with holiday. It's got to make you feel Good uh, if you want to feel good that Cody Bellinger is probably going to have the same kind of rebound that Matt Carpenter has had uh, in this past year. He might. Um, I didn't Matt Holiday take a position with the St. Louis Cardinals as well, so that would have been uh, the ultimate. Yeah. yeah, that would have been the ultimate. Okay, here's my personal hitting coach. We're going to bring him into the fold, and, and Cardinals bring Bellinger. So maybe I don't know. Maybe there's there's going to be a, a line that he can't cross during the season to get out of that slump, but. Uh, you know, Carpenter is a really interesting case uh, because he he always felt like a bit of an overperformer in his time with the Cardinals. Um, and that's not to say he was bad by any means, but there was that, you know, the Arenado Carpenter MVP race um, back in the day. And it always just felt like Matt Carpenter was kind of punching just a little bit above his weight. And then he fell off the table and he was able to revitalize his career and become a little bit more of that polished hitter over the past couple of years. So it's interesting to see these guys, because this is whenever on scouting circles, you talk about a swing change type of guy. This is exactly what it means. This is a guy who is notable, who had, you know, some scale, had some talent, but it was hard for him to to create that full consistency and, and main. Um, so, you know, it's former, former Rockies helping out in holiday and it only makes you scared for what's going to go on in St. Louis. If he's able to start getting the most out of some other guys. Um, the other thing with Carpenter going over to San Diego too, 
I can't help but feel like when it comes to the Rockies, CJ Crone kind of needs to move out of the way if they want to play the young guys. And there's only so many teams that are still in need of a first baseman. San Diego was kind of on that list. And now that's got to be where Carpenter's going if he's not, you know, spending a lot of time in the DH role in the first place. So that's another, another thing on how it relates to the Rockies in my mind. Yeah. Pushes David Dahl out of that spot. He was, he was kind of penciled in <laughs> like the DH uh, going forward, uh, Will pointing out in our chat on uh, the DMVR Sports channel on YouTube, how is Tyler Chatwood? <laughs> They're only 33 years old. He's been around forever. And then Jordan Lyles, he's younger. He's 32. So, I mean, like these guys, it, again, it, it feels like they've been around forever. Adam Adovino is, he's maybe 37, but you're like, mm, he should be more like 42. Like, yeah, some of these guys, they, they stick around. They, they keep kicking around. They, they won't go away. Seth Lugo also signs a two-year $15 million pact uh, with the Padres. Um, he gets an opt-out after year one. Lugo uh, is going to be a starter, uh, reportedly. Uh, the Padres are going to try to do that, which is, you know, I think kind of strange. I mean, that's great for Lugo. He's going to get that opportunity to do that in San Diego. And, and then if he does well enough, he can opt out uh, and sign an even better, a uh, bigger deal. My, my biggest takeaway from this is, or realization is there are so many opt-outs given now, like five years mm-hmm. ago. Yes. That was the thing that you got that if you were a very, very special player. And now it's really used, you know uh, it, it's very catalytic for teams to go ahead and, and use that in their bargaining, basically saying, all right, we'll guarantee you two years, but also you can leave if you want really early. And then that just floods the free agent market. And I think that's um, that's been beneficial for, for a lot of teams to be able to just pick and choose what they want in, in free agency and keep these mid to low tier guys down um, with, with all of these opt-outs. And so it's, it's, not, it's no longer just the big name guys. Seth Lugo, a relief pitcher who they're converting to become a starter. They're, they're taking a risk with him. He's taking a risk. And yet he's got a player opt-out after one year. It's, it's just been something that's really changed the uh, the landscape of, of free agency and, and, and players moving from team to team in the last five years or so. Yeah, it it, it is a very um, curious wrinkle that's really become uh, prevalent within the free agent market. And you look at Carlos Correa's deal last year. When I think you know more often than not, it's utilized in that prove it capacity. So it's not necessarily the uh, the escape hatch for a team um, that. It's the if the player is going to outperform what he signed up for, it's going to allow him to re-enter the market with these fresh, new, spiffy numbers and get paid accordingly for that. Um, you know, the Arenado contract, so much of it at the time surrounded the opt-out. Okay, if you're going to end up trading for Nolan Arenado, are you trading for Nolan Arenado for two years? Or are you trading for Nolan Arenado for six years? Um, and so it's... It's a weird dynamic, I agree, that has really become prevalent within the industry. Um, I think that it's also come at the expense of options. I don't think there's quite nearly as many options going at least to free agent contracts, either vesting, club, player, or mutual um, that are you know performance-based. All right, if you're going to exceed 140 innings, if you're going to start 26 or more games, we're going to tack on and guarantee that extra 17 million final season or something. Um, so yeah, I think that that's been the trade-off. I, I think there's less performance-based options being included in these contracts and more. And you know, this is probably good for the players' association um, outs for the players to utilize to re-enter the market and get paid accordingly. And when you look at somebody like Carlos Correa. That's exactly what happened. So um, I think it's it's a good change for the players overall. 
Let's talk Rockies. 106 days until the home opener at Coors Field. And uh, you can get tickets right now if you wanted to on game time tickets. Uh, 15 million people are, are doing that right now. Uh, it, it's a great way to save money, especially if you wait closer to the start of an event. Uh, you can get up to 60% off uh, the, the face value of those seats. So uh, if you're talking football, you're on the 50-yard line. It could be courtside. could be behind home plate. could be down on the floor uh, at a concert. Game time tickets uh, is the way to go. I've, I've seen shows at Red Rocks for $15 legitimately thanks to game time tickets 2013. Look it up. Fun, Antigua, and Sarah. I was there for $15 for my seats because uh, I use game time tickets and I waited about an hour and a half before the, the event started. So it's really great if you're in a new city and you're just hanging out in the area of a venue and you want to see what's going on. And you're like, hey, you know what? At this price, actually, I'm very much interested. Uh, game time apps is absolutely perfect for that. Again, join over 15 million folks who've downloaded the game time app and have scored the best seats to all their favorite events. Hit the link in our description to save. So Kenneth, I don't know if we can predict what a society, what a community loves in a player. But after the trade of Connor, Joe, first off, I, I should say, do you like this trade? I mean, obviously you can't like, you know, a fan favorite and just an all around good guy. There's nothing to like about that. That sucks. But do you like the trade as far as clearing up some space on the roster and the, the prospect Nick Garcia that they brought in? Was that, was it still a, a win, at least from the baseball operation standpoint? I mean, I, I think the best way to look at this is this is a very understandable trade. Um, you like Connor Joe, the person, the fan relationship that he's been able to develop. And it's nice to see, you know, knowing from Connor Joe and, and what his background was, he finally kind of broke through as a consistent major leaguer with the Rockies. So there is some sentimentality that's really baked in um, with his time with Colorado. That said, he was one of many, many corner outfield corner and first base options that we had that hit right-handed on the roster there's just an abundance and this is more from how the rockies have structured um their their roster so he was certainly someone that was going to have a hard time getting consistent at bats and what at bats he was able to get what playing time he got was going to come at the expense of somebody like toglia Elihiris Montero, you know, it's guys that they need to start seeing what they have in them. So for that reason alone, it made a lot of sense for Connor Joe to 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 move to another organization. Um, in terms of the return in Nick Garcia, I think it's somebody that slots into a bit of a void of upper levels um, starting pitching. It's going to be a project guy. He was somebody that didn't convert to pitching until he was in college. Um, there's some decent stuff on there. It's not anything that blows you away, but you weren't expecting a massive haul for somebody like Connor Joe in the first place. So, um, I think it's, I think it's a fine trade. I think it's a totally justified and reasonable trade that the Rockies made. And, you know, I, I would love, this is one of those where I don't know anybody that can root against watching Connor Joe succeed somewhere else. You just want to see him do well in his career. So if the, the option and the opportunity wasn't here in Colorado anymore, hopefully he succeeds when he's out in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah. He should have uh, an opportunity to, to get a lot of playing time. And uh, yeah, Nick Garcia is, is, is very interesting uh, to say the least next Colt hero for the Rockies. I, I don't know who that could be. It's, it's somebody that might not necessarily be like on the 26 man roster just yet. Um, Cause you, you almost want to take out the, all right, Brendan Rogers, McMahon, Blackman, Freeland, Marquez, they're already kind of of that star quality. They've got that magnitude. It has to be like that, that lower tier guy, like maybe Jonathan Daza, who needs to continue to play really well, continue to be exciting. Uh, I think Sean Bouchard is kind of sneaky funny. 
Uh, he's got some some good lines. Tolia is a little bit too, uh, but again, he could very quickly bypass you know that middle tier and become you know a very solid. Uh, above average potential all-star kind of player. Tovar is kind of in that same route. I, I It's hard to know, like who, who's going to be the next guy that uh, qualifies uh, for getting, getting chance by the fans. I, I don't know. Have you got any inkling? Who's your sleeper? <laughs> I think so. Dawes and Bouchard are really good picks. I think Dawes is already kind of entered that territory. Um, there's some things with Dawes where you see, and he's not supposed to be as good as he is. It, you know, when, when, when you read scouting reports, if you just look at Jonathan Dawes on a spreadsheet and how it's always been talked about with, with prospects, Jonathan Dawes wasn't really supposed to be a guy. He has earned himself, a, you know, as many opportunities as possible to be the starting center fielder of this team. So um, I think Jonathan Dawes is a great chance. I look at guys, I look at guys who come up big in the moments and nobody expected them to be that. And I think that there's two guys in particular that you didn't mention and they're on the pitching side. And I think that there's precedence for these guys. I think Brett Suter and Jose Urania could be those those folk heroes um, for the Rockies. And I look at two former Rocky folk heroes that could, you know, they could fill those shoes. Uh, Brett Suter could be that uh, that fireman, even though he's a bit of a thumber. And he just goes out there. And every time Brett Suter enters a game, all of a sudden, the opposing offense is shut down and the Rockies have a chance to get back into it a lot in the way that Chris Russin, or Chris Russin used to be that guy for the Rockies. Uh, and then when I look at Jose Arrania, you know, this is somebody that signed on a major league deal. He started to perform. He's getting every opportunity to not only um, be a part of the Rockies, but to stick in the major leagues. And a guy who used to do that, who showed up huge at the Rockies' biggest moment of their history was Josh Fogg, the Dragon Slayer. And it was a similar capacity where all of a sudden, if you see that the Rockies are starting to contend or is still around and, Jose Arrania is going out there and beating Zach Wheeler and Marcus Stroman and you know, Justin Verlander in a, you know, in a stretch on an East Coast road trip or something like that. You're like, holy cow. You remember that time where Jose Arrania was going out there and just knocking down all of these, you know, starting pitching gods around the league. So maybe there's some full hero, uh, you know, history that could be made between those two arms. Yes, no, I love those picks. They they definitely have to be in the top five. Suter Suter is like he's a he is going to be a character. He will be very fun. Uh, he's only got the one year, so he's gonna you know we'll have to wait and see what happens. Maybe there's an extension in his future, so he's really gonna have to pack it in there. Whereas Urania's got the two. He does this thing where he's spitting water right as he walks out onto the field. Yeah, he does it. Yeah, I don't know if he does it every inning, but he does it every start. Um, so that mm-hmm. could be, again, you're successful. It's going to catch on. There's going to be kids all around the Denver Metro area, you know, spitting their water out as they, uh, as they take the field. So, uh, I like those picks. Those, those definitely, uh, are, are some names, uh, that are in the running for that, uh, favorite off season acquisition this, this off season for the Rockies, for me, Suter, Pierce Johnson, and I would actually go Nick Garcia, the, the prospect that they got in the Connor Joe deal for you. Uh, who are some of the, the the names that kind of stick out there? There haven't been many, but of those few names, uh, who for you have been uh, the best pickups? Yeah, I, I really like the Pierce Johnson um, acquisition. I think that he he was a really good pitcher before he had the elbow troubles last year with San Diego. I think that he could return to form and really, you know, combine with uh, Denelson Lament and and give a a good former Padres bridge 
um, to Bard. I think another one that it happened so early on that it's, uh, you know, almost a little forgotten, except for the Rockies don't have that much activity. So it's easy to focus on everything they did. Uh, Nolan Jones. You know, Nolan Jones was somebody who was really well regarded with Cleveland. Cleveland has had their own 40-man roster crunch. So um, it was inevitable they were going to start moving out some pieces that could be of quality simply because they needed to make room. Um, you know, I, I don't love the reasons for acquiring Nolan Jones. Uh, it's somebody that the Rocky scouting department was high on and they were desperate for left-handed hitting. But in a vacuum, I think Nolan Jones could be a very good acquisition and being able to spend his um you know his ab's as his home park with course field really could show off what he's capable of doing so i think that that's one that could um really turn out uh successfully for the rockies and you know i've 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 heard him have a couple conversations already uh he's not uh he's not a character but he he could be in the conversation we'll have to wait and see what happens again depends on what he does on the field um, could he replace, could Nojo replace Kojo? I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe Nojo is, uh, is the way to go here uh, for the Cole heroes. All right. What's uh, on their, on their to-do list uh, as far as needs for me, there's three things and really can be boiled down to two. They still probably need another left-handed hitting outfield bat. I don't know if they're going to get it. Uh, and they need uh, a left-handed relief pitcher that more so they're going to need, because as you mentioned, Nolan Jones is in there. Uh, they definitely talked him up a lot. He can play corner outfield. Uh, can even play maybe a little bit of third base potentially uh, if you need that. So they did add a left-handed hitting bat. Uh, we know Tola can, can hit from both sides. So that is a left-handed hitter there uh, if you want to count that. But uh, I, I'm, I'm maybe more convinced that they would probably go after a, a left-handed relief option over another left-handed hitting outfielder. What's, uh, what's your inkling based on how this organization operates do you think the, the relief pitchers coming from the left side or is the, the, the hitter on the left side in the outfield coming next for the Rockies? Um, you know, the left-handed reliever, it feels a little to be determined because we need to know how Lucas Gilbreth is. Um, if you are walking into the season with Gilbreth and Suter uh, from the left side, I think that that's, that's fine. You know, I, I don't have too much of a problem with that. And then uh, I don't want to open this can of worms necessarily, but if Ryan Rollison is able to pitch, then he could also end up being a relief option from the left side. So uh, there's there's a lot of weight being put on Rollison coming back. And so mine would be starting pitching. Like you just, just to get through the season. I think that a lot of people are really hoping for that big splash. And I wouldn't mind seeing them uh, trade for a starting pitcher that will align a little bit more with Tovar, with uh, Toglia, with Veen, and that window. Um, but just to get through this season, right now, there's a lot of weight being put on the shoulders, uh, you know, literally the shoulder and the elbow of um, Ryan Rollison and Peter Lambert to to be that pitching depth coming from and they've been playing that game for three years and they still have not gotten really anything out of those guys so there's just not a lot of certainty of what pitching depth they have and you're not going to have Sensatello for most of the first half of the year they just they need a little bit more starting pitching to get through this season in the first place um so that would be top on my priority list i think if gilbreth is fine uh you know the lefties from the bullpen is in a okay shape left-handed hitting outfield it's such a narrow band. We've talked about this a couple of times. If you're going to really specify that I need a left-handed hitting center fielder, either on a short-term deal or somebody that's, you know, pre-arbitration eligible, 
everybody wants those guys. Everybody needs those guys, especially for a premium defensive position like center field. So there's not much available for it. I think that's lowest on the totem pole for me. And then lastly, I think they need to make room for, for Toglia and Montero. And I think it starts with CJ Crone. So, you know, Crone has been great. He's been awesome to watch. And I'm so glad he was able to revitalize his career. But if they want to let guys play, they need to create the opportunity for those guys. And moving Crone is the easiest and most obvious way to make that happen. Yeah, we got an article about the DNBR.com this week about uh, the health of Rawlson and Lambert. How they, uh, both GM Bill Schmidt and Bud Black said at the winter meetings, you know, expect those guys to be back uh, and healthy. They're on their throwing plan. So uh, all is well, uh, but you're right, Kenneth, as far as Rawlson, where he's probably better, at least for this year, get him some big league experience. And then if, you know, decide in 2024, if you want to stretch him back out to, uh, to possibly become a starter, mm-hmm. but he just doesn't have the innings on his arms right now. So uh, that would give you a, a third guy in, in the bullpen, assuming that Gilbert is healthy. Again, Buddy said that uh, he, he expects him to be fine. Doesn't look like he's going to need that Tommy John surgery, at least as of yet. Uh, they did say that about Peter Lambert back in 2020, and then he still needed it. So uh, you can never really know. Um, you wrote an article recently on Purple Row about you know the state of uh, the pitching in the, in the minor leagues and how there is kind of a void that you know Double A is going to get a taste of it. You know, starting next season, Joe Rock, Case Williams. Uh, Nick Garcia is going to be there. We'll see what happens with Je- uh, Jeff Criswell, who they acquired in the Chad Smith deal uh, with the uh, Tigers, uh, not the Tigers, the A's over the summer uh, or over the off season. And uh, we'll see what he does this summer. If he'll be in double A or triple A. And, and those could be guys, uh, Criswell in particular could be a guy that we see late in the season. But other than that, there is a void on, on the high end. Who, who would you like to see? I mean, Crone is obviously one of those guys, but is there anybody else that you could see as maybe being somewhat expendable for the Rockies uh, to trade in and to get a little bit of a, you know, younger pitcher back in return, whether it is a double A, triple A guy like Herman Marquez was back in 2016 so that they can have, you know, a true number four or five guy because outside of their, their big three, outside of Freeland Marquez and Senzatella, who, as you mentioned, is banged up. There's a lot of question marks from Urania. Gomber, Rollison, Lambert, like all of those guys, who would you uh, put out there as, as maybe being a, a player that you would talk to other teams about and say, you know what, maybe in the right deal, I would be willing to move Crone and whoever else. Who are those names? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, a lot of it depends on what the other team's needs and wants would be um, in an ideal world. If you're talking about what would you remove from the Rockies, Gritchick is in that conversation. But if you know, you're talking about trying to package Crone and Gritchick together, you're asking another team to take on approximately $15 million uh, for one season. And that's always, you know, the feasibility of that uh, is, is always questionable. So, um, you know, I think there's a couple of players that, um the rockies would be able to move if maybe somebody wanted you know and if we're not talking about blowing the doors off of it we're not talking about trying to go out there and acquire a future ace because that's when you talk about brendan rogers that's when you talk about ryan mcmahon that's when you talk about the big fish that are on the roster but if a team is looking for maybe a little bit more depth for their middle infield somebody that 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 could help them in the near future Maybe you look at like Coco Montes, you know, maybe that's somebody that could be included in a deal that another team would like to sweeten the pot a little bit. So we'll give you a starting first baseman DH like CJ Crone, and we'll give you a little bit of middle infield um, depth, a little bit of reserve for your worst case scenario, makes you better in the immediate future. And it gives us, uh, you know, a back of the rotation guy uh, for a year or two. So 
Um, you know, I would have looked at somebody like Chad Smith before. I thought that there was someone that there wasn't necessarily a huge future uh, for him in in the bullpen, but that was you know where the Chris Well deal happened. I think they're higher on Jacob Bird, so I wouldn't necessarily throw him in that. But you know, that would be maybe an interesting uh, piece that uh, another team could look at, especially if the Rockies are that high on on Hollowell and Lamette being those guys. So. Um, maybe I would look at some of the guys that are not necessarily in the Rockies plans for the near future at, you know, triple a Albuquerque or double a Hartford sweeten the pot just a little bit with Crone for that back of the rotation arm. Yeah. The, the, uh, getting back to what we were talking about with, with, you know, free agent acquisitions or just, just this off season in general, you know, they, I think they could really benefit from a leadoff hitter, but that's obviously not a, uh, a position. That's not necessarily something uh, you could find on the back of a player's baseball card is, you know, a leadoff hitter. So if you could have gotten that in Brandon Nimmo, that obviously would have been, would have been great. He was really the the only guy, all the other options out there. I, I don't think you would really put in as a, as a leadoff guy, Michael Conforto. No, probably not. I don't think his on base percentage has, uh, has been that solid in, in general. So um, that's the one need that they're not really going to be able to, address directly it's going to have to be you know Jonathan Daza um Tovar maybe at some point and you don't want to put that pressure on him just yet so that might be more of a, of a second half uh Charlie would not surprise me if he was you know back up there and and Ryan McMahon I think those would be the candidates that will we'll see most frequently at leadoff uh, unless you know something changes in the roster is there anybody missing in there or is there any uh, of those names that uh you you think we could see more than Daza I would put Daza that's the draft um, how many games does does a player get batting leadoff? If I'm going first, I'm taking Jonathan Daza to have the most games at leadoff. Anyone that you got maybe getting a little bit more up there? Uh, you know, I think Tovar. Uh, I could definitely see Tovar. Uh, I'll say, too, I think a, whoever is the leadoff hitter for the Rockies this season is simply keeping the seat warm for Zach Veen. He has leadoff written all over him when his time does come. So I think it's going to be a little patchwork. I think Tovar has enough of that explosive um, potential at the plate, extra bases, and enough speed uh, to really be a problem. I think a sneaky under-the-radar choice, and this is kind of going with the new age of baseball, would be Toglia. I think Toglia is enough of an athlete. He showed that last year with the outfield, but it wouldn't be your traditional Juan Pierre slap hitter um, that, you know, once he gets on base, he just runs like a deer. I think that there could be, if if the development goes as planned with Toglia, power and on base skill, but it wouldn't be drawn through that conventional single route like a Pierre. It would be walks or dingers, and you put that at the top. And so, you know, when the Dodgers were messing around with Max Muncy and putting him as their leadoff hitter, it's of that caliber, but obviously a little bit more of an athlete, uh, just, you know, given the age. So I think Toglia could be an interesting one. Whether or not the Rockies would lean into that direction is totally fair to question. But, you know, if if he's getting on base at a good clip and he's showing he's, he's handling major league pitching, that would be an interesting leadoff hitter uh, for the time being. All right, so the December 21st edition of the DNVR Rockies podcast. If totally a bat's leadoff, we have to go back. Make sure you remember that. Make sure you put a pin in that one, write it on the calendar. Uh, Kenneth, this has been great. Go ahead and plug away a little bit. We'll put a link in the description with your um, with your article from Purple Row. But go ahead and plug away with folks ahead on Twitter and whatnot. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at KDub1988. Um, you can always find me over at Purple Row um, doing the Monday rock piles. I'm also going to be doing the farm system reports again this season when it comes around. Um, and then, you know, lastly, when it comes to local baseball, you can always find me at Thomas Jefferson High School. So 
Uh, you know, if that's something that you're ever interested in and, you know, maybe want to get a cap or something to help raise support for the program, you can always find me over at Twitter and I'd be more than happy to help you out. Oh, there you go. Oh, you got me now. I'm, I'm definitely going to have to get one of those bad boys wear it around. Wear, show, it to, show it to the ballpark with one on. I, I rock a cap once in a while when I'm at the stadium. So uh, definitely not above that. Make sure you're following us uh, at DNVR underscore Rockies. I'm at Patrick D. Lyons on Twitter. Uh, Kenneth, this has been wonderful, very momentous, but you, have, as well as anyone, would know in baseball, as the old axiom goes, uh, with podcasts as well, momentum, it's only as good as your next show. So we will talk to you tomorrow at 11 a.m. on the DMVR Sports Channel on YouTube. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.